0: Hey everybody! JJ Cooper, Kyle Glazer here. Another Baseball America podcast, World Baseball Classic podcast. Kyle has made the journey—not nearly as far as Japan and Cuba—but made the journey from Phoenix to Miami to be there for the quarterfinals and then the semifinals, and then the finals. And we have been basically digesting, we've been enjoying, we've been consuming baseball that starts at 5 in the morning East Coast or 8 in the morning, uh, I mean, sorry, 2 in the morning West Coast and goes all the way till 1 in the morning East Coast or 10 in the evening West Coast. It's been a wild... And many ways, wonderful, and then in one ways, tragic uh, World Baseball Classic so far. But Kyle, now that you are feet on the ground in Miami, how hyped are you for uh, a a cavalcade of baseball over the next few days?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is where it's going to get even more exciting than it has been. Obviously, the atmospheres in Miami during the first round were... Incredible to see, to say the least. And in Phoenix, it wasn't quite to the same level, except when Mexico was playing, it was pretty raucous. But even the finale between uh, Team USA and Colombia, the U.S. fans showed up, 30,000 fans there, most of whom were U.S., and and they got pretty loud. They got pretty into it. So I think now that we're in elimination games, because now all these games, quarters, semis, and finals, obviously are do or die under the old format. The second round slash quarters was a round Robin. Um, the intensity is going to be ratcheted up. The atmospheres are going to be crazy. And then again, Miami especially gets, it's pretty rowdy for this tournament. It has been already. It's only going to get more so. So uh, this is going to be a really, really, really fun five
0: days ahead. As you mentioned, it is now every game in this from here on out is win or go home. And, or I, I guess we should say in the case of the, uh, North American, Central American, and South American players win or go back to your respective uh, MLB teams' uh, farms, you know, uh, spring training homes. But we are now in the situation where I, I would say that there are, we, we saw this. We have two quarterfinals that have already taken place, and we have Cuba has already advanced. Japan, in probably the least surprising piece of information of this tournament, also advanced but we have two more to go. As we look at the next two, you know, the the quarterfinals that are left, what are you most looking for? What do you think has a chance to be kind of the the key factors? That it's one game, so let's just be clear. Anything can happen here, and there's no way you can say, well, that's just because this team's vastly superior. It's one game, but what are you looking for in these games, these, these next two quarterfinal games?
1: Well, the biggest thing is the pitch limits on starters have increased uh well on all pitchers but it only really affects starters um pitchers were limited to 65 pitches per game in the first round that's now been increased to 80. so starting pitching is getting more and more important having that guy who can shut you down for for six innings becomes more important and i look at tonight's game against mexico and puerto rico julio Urias versus marcus stroman i mean that is a dynamic, dynamite, lights-out, headliner pitching matchup. And, you know, before you could look at starting pitching matchups and say, okay, yeah, it's great, but realistically these guys can only go four innings, maybe five. That's no longer the case now. The importance of your starter is that much more magnified. And I think coming in, you'd say Puerto Rico is the favorite just because they are the two-time defending runners-up. They just took down the mighty Dominicans, But obviously, they don't have Edwin Diaz. Um, I think it will be interesting to see whether it's something that deflates them or something they rally around. Knowing Puerto Rico, the character of the players, the character of Yadier Molina, I'm betting it's something they're going to rally around. They're not going to let deflate them. And you know, with that, again, I mean, I really do think Mexico has a shot, though, because you have Julio Urias on the mound. And, oh, by the way, they've been swinging it very, very well since that opening game against Colombia where they surprisingly lost. Since then, Mexico's been swinging the bat well. They have a lot of big leaguers in their lineup to the point that sometimes they're not really given credit for. And, I mean, Randy Rosaran is absolutely on fire right now. So you have a great starting pitcher. You have a good lineup with a guy who's you know playing out of his mind. Mexico has a shot. I think this is going to be a very, very – evenly matched game, but but just the fact that the starting pitchers can now go 80 pitches, that changes the dynamic of the entire tournament and this game specifically. I, I think it helps Mexico in the sense that the longer Julio Urias can be on the mound, the better chance they have to
0: win. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. And what's interesting is when we get to the second quarterfinal mm-hmm. here, I think that there's a similar dynamic at play and if you're listening to this as a Team USA fan, this may not be good news for you because the reality of it is, is that we tweeted about it, even going back to midway through the first round, like every significant game that USA Baseball is going to play in this tournament, when it comes to starting pitching, they're probably at a deficit. USA Baseball is probably the team who kind of has the biggest question mark of even who starts the quarterfinal game for them. Obviously, if you just go on timing, it's Adam Wainwright's turn again. But that's not a that's not a slam dunk, is it, Co?
1: No, Team USA has not announced starting pitcher for the quarterfinal, and then that again kind of lets you know where they are as a pitching staff, right? I mean, as soon as Mexico knew they were going, immediately, hey, Julio is starting for us. As soon as Japan knew they were going, it's hey, Shohei Otani starting for us. The teams that that have the horses at the front of the rotation there's no question to starting for them and team USA just does not have that. We've known that, but that's really, really, really been laid bare um, throughout this tournament. And look, team USA's formula to win is going to be, Hey, just hope you get four good innings from your starter and let this really good bullpen take over. Mm -hmm. We did notice that this was a good relief core coming in. They really, really showed it against Columbia I will say though that as much as the pitching matters a lot, if Team USA's offense doesn't wake up, um, they're they're gonna lose and lose badly against a Venezuela team that has looked like an absolute juggernaut, that is star studded one tonight in the lineup. You know, Lance Lynn is not available for Team USA. He's the only, their only starter who's looked really any good, to be frank. I mean, Kyle Frey looked good in relief. Um I think for Team USA, you have to understand going into this game that holding Venezuela to one run, two runs runs, even four runs is probably not realistic. You're going to give up five, six, seven against this lineup. You are going to have to score. And one of the issues so far is Team USA, look, their energy levels have been really, really bad. Uh, the quality of their at-bats, aside from Mookie Betts and Mike Trout, have not been good. Their quality of their swings have not been good Um, against a a Columbia pitching staff that was full of minor leaguers. I mean, it's not like you know they had Jose Quintana out there who was hurt. I mean, it was, I mean, they were piecing it together inning at a time with minor leaguers. Team USA again, outside of Mookie Betts and Mike Trout, no one did anything. And even against Great Britain, this offense wasn't great. Against Mexico, this offense, you know, did nothing. At least nothing until it was too late. I just. This team has been very, very disappointing offensively. And, again, the lack of energy, the lack of focus, the lack of execution has been stark and glaring. And just to be frank, if they go out against Venezuela and play the way they've played so far, they're going to get smacked. I mean, it will be a a route even greater than what happened against Mexico. So, you know, it's a little bit of – it's go time for Team Jose's offense. Even if, you know, the starting pitching – holds up better than we expect and the bullpen comes in and and does what it's capable of, this team's going to have to score five, six, seven runs realistically to win. And unfortunately, so far, team USA has not shown the ability to do that. And they're going to have to kind of find it and find it right now. If they don't want to go home.
0: Two things that I do think that, that are good factors for team USA's lineup with this one is, is that, as you said, like there almost seemed to be kind of a, a sleepwalking aspect to some, you know, the, the team USA offense during pool play. I think part of that, again, there is human nature here. They faced a whole lot of guys who a whole lot of pitchers who was like, Oh, we should be able to just house these guys. And they didn't. And that's a, that's a problem, but you're not going to have that question against Venezuela. You know, in this game, you are facing, big leaguers who, you know, if you don't give a great at bat, you're going to look bad. And on top of that, it may be, it's going to be a road game for team USA, even though it's on us soil. But that said, there is going to be an energy there. As you noted, the Mexican fans came out at in Phoenix, Yeah. the U S fans, even when they were there in numbers, they were much more of a country club crowd than every other fan base that we have in this game. You go to Japan, you look at the games in Japan, you look at the games, it was like what Japan had credit to the Japanese fans, the uh, versus Australia quarterfinal game. The fan base there was not a whole lot of Cubans. Understandably, it's halfway around the world. Not a whole lot of Australians, that appeared. But it still was a pretty full park. At the same time, it didn't have the same energy because the fans there were just there to appreciate a good baseball game, they hoped. But it wasn't their team, uh, you know, on the field, very different when it was Japan versus Italy. The US crowd for the games other than Mexico, where Mexico probably had more fans there than the US. Yeah. Other than that, that's kind of what the US crowds, I feel like you were there. I was not, but like yeah. that's what it felt like is, is they were there to watch. Good baseball yay good good job nice nicely done I, I would, not I would, <laughs> not the well, intensity of every pitch like we saw in puerto rico there's the dominican
1: i i will say to give them credit the finale against Colombia, they they did show up the u.s fans did show up you know to wednesday in march and, and they did show up it wasn't a sell a sellout but the fans who were there there was a good energy again was it what we saw in miami with you know venezuela and puerto rico and the dominicans no was it what we saw from you know mexico's fans and the usa game no but it was it was still pretty good so i i think it is important to to give credit where credit is due team usa's fans did show up for the columbia game but you're right they will be outnumbered pretty much any game they play here in miami unless they potentially play japan in the finals um You know, again, Puerto Rico's fans are going to show up en masse. Cuba's fans are really going to show up en masse. Venezuela's fans are really going to show up en masse. I think that Team USA, again, the other time their fans were significantly outnumbered and a really, you know, good, motivated team played them. Team USA got routed. That was the Mexico-USA game, and they need to be at their absolute best 100 percent no more oh we're only 20 at bats in the spring training no more oh guys just still finding find their time and their rhythm again the same thing's applicable to Venezuela. the same thing's applicable to puerto rico the same thing's applicable to a lot of these teams that are still left and they're they're at full full go i mean no hesitations no questions about it team usa needs to get to that level they need to get there right now um, are they capable of it absolutely i think just what was slightly disheartening was you know, they lost to Mexico. They come back out and they mercy rule Canada. They, or, and, and you know, really the game was over after the second inning. And they talked about, you know, the Mexico loss woke us up. We're here now. We're ready. Saying all the right things. And they come out and just, again, sleepwalk against Colombia with outside of Mike Trout monkey bet. So it's hard to kind of take them at their word for it. They just need to come out and do it. They're capable of beating Venezuela. But, again, only if they're kind of at peak form.
0: So we got a lot more to cover at the World Baseball Classic. Before we do that, though, we're going to take a quick break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them, all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com/baseballamerica. Just go to indeed.com/baseballamerica right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/baseballamerica. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back. So we have two quarterfinal games that set up the semis. I, the one thing I did want to also touch on with USA Baseball before we get there is is wrote about this today at, at BaseballAmerica.com as we're recording this on, on Friday. The other thing that is noticeable about Team USA, we talk about Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright, the question about whether he starts kind of really comes down to his velocity is, is just utterly lacking where it is for Adam Wainwright. He was sitting at 86 miles an hour of his fastball in that first start, which – that's a couple of miles an hour less than he was last year when he was quite effective in the big league level. But that also put him, if you look at the 78 starting pitchers who have thrown pitches that have been measured by the track man, slash Hawkeye slash whatever devices they're using. There's one who it wasn't working for a one Taiwanese pitcher. But of those 78, that's the 70th hardest throwing pitcher. The only pitchers who are softer throwing you know, with their fastballs in their starts than Adam Wainwright were a couple of side armors from Asia, two Czech pitchers, and a couple of pitchers from China. But overall with this, the other thing that stands out is this, this USA team doesn't really have a flamethrower on it at all in a, in a tournament where we are seeing massive amounts of velocity against Great Britain. You saw, now again, Michael Peterson is not as good as David Bednar or Daniel Bard. I'm not saying he is, but it is amazing to see Great Britain having a guy out there reaching triple digits, and the hardest pitch thrown by any U.S. pitcher in this tournament so far is 97, which also happens to be the average fastball velocity for Japan's starters. And that's the kind of the segue to lead into this. As we start looking ahead to the semis, because we do know two teams that are on the semis kyle at this point having seen what we've seen does japan now feel like the favorite in this tournament they they blitzed the asia pools but that is the asia pools they didn't have a group of death with puerto rico and the dominican and venezuela
1: yeah i mean we talked about it coming in that japan was both of our picks to win it and the, their starting rotation was a big reason why I think that Japan and Venezuela, based on everything we have seen, are in a collision course for the final. And I certainly like Japan's chances in that matchup, but I don't think you can sit here and say, oh, they're definitely going to blow by Venezuela. Venezuela is a really good team with a really good lineup. We've talked about it. They have a ton of talent. They were poorly coached last time out. That's no longer a problem now with Omar Lopez. I think what, what just is very, very, very exciting for U.S.-based fans is Japan piggyback Shohei Otani and Yu Darvish in the quarterfinals. That means Roki Sasaki and Yoshinobu Yamamoto are lined up to pitch the semis and the finals for Japan. Um, these are arguably the two best pitchers in the world. I shouldn't say arguably. These are the two best pitchers in the world who are not currently pitching in Major League Baseball. Sasaki projects to be a number one starter in MLB. Yamamoto projects to be a number two starter in MLB. These are front of the rotation guys who, who are capable of shutting down big league lineups right now. If both these guys were free agents right now, they would have nine-figure contracts and clear $100 million easily. Those two guys coming out and throwing against whoever they get to face combined with the fact that these hitters have never seen them before, certainly gives Japan a big, big edge. And I think that if you had to make a singular pick today, you would say Japan would be the pick to win the title. But again, I don't want to discount Venezuela. I will say Venezuela is the only team I see that I would even hesitate and say, yeah, I, I think, you know, Venezuela has a shot. Team say the way their lineup has been performing so far, I mean, again, they struggled to score against Mexico and Colombia against Japan, the way they've been playing, they would probably get shut out, which seems crazy to say when you look at the names of the lineup, but that's how they're playing right now. I, Again, I, I the, will say it's it's, it's one line.
0: game, so so we always have that kind of like anything could happen in yeah. any of these one games for three games. So if, if you told me that flying to Miami, basically getting to hit reset on their tournament, having escaped pool, you know, the pool play. That Team USA could play much better. I absolutely could see it. I also do think the the thing that is important here for the U.S. or Venezuela, this is not to besmirch the Cuban team, but they will. Whoever wins that game faces the Cubans in the semifinals. Yeah, and that's to me a pretty significant advantage in that. I do feel like if you look at the semifinals. the the team who is most happy to be here and has checked the box off that they were looking to check off is team Cuba because getting back to the semis, being in the final four again is a massive step forward for a Cuban team that there was a time when the world baseball classic started going to the semis would kind of be like, well, If we lost to the semis, it's really disappointing, but it's not embarrassing as Team Cuba. At this point, though, Team Cuba is now in a situation where reaching the semis is a massive accomplishment.
1: It is. I I do think if you were to rank all six teams still remaining, Cuba would be at the bottom of that list. Uh, First and foremost, give them credit. They got here. And they turned things around. They dropped their first two games. They've won three straight since. I do think you have to know the two most talented teams they played, Italy and the Netherlands, they, they lost to them. They advanced after beating Panama and Taiwan and winning a tiebreaker. And then they beat an Australia team that was kind of a surprise Cinderella emerging from a, a weak pool by one run. I think if you match Cuba up against Venezuela, against Team USA and the semis, both Team USA and Venezuela would be heavily, heavily favored. It's It's... Significant, it's a significant difference in talent on the rosters. Um, so, so in a lot of ways, I think that is one of the things to watch on Saturday. Is you know, Timio say Venezuela again, nothing is ever guaranteed, you know, upsets happen all the time. You know, if Cuba throws uh, a couple of specific pitchers, could they hold down an offense enough? And then, you know, Luis Robert and Yoel Moncada go back to back, yeah, of course, Cuba can win, but I think team USA and Venezuela, whoever wins this quarterfinal, on the whole, you like your chances to to beat Cuba in the semis and get to the finals. So I, I do think that when you look at all these teams in the field, give Cuba credit, they got here. There are certainly ways you can craft a path for them to beat team USA or Venezuela. Again, you, you throw three or four specific pitchers, um, you know, hold down an offense, get a big hit or two, maybe it happens. But I wouldn't pick it to happen. So I do think that's where, if you're team USA or Venezuela, you know, you're, you're uh, not that you need any extra juice or extra excitement for a winner take all elimination game, but um, there's definitely a sense of, Hey, if you, if you win that game, you have a really good chance to get to the finals.
0: But flip side of that is, is that the other part that is kind of a a hurdle for Cuba and Japan, they do this as best they can scheduling wise, but They give them a little bit extra time, which does help. Like if you look at Cuba, I think that one thing that is important for Cuba is because there's enough of a gap between their quarterfinal game and their semifinal game. Cuba's approach, Cuba does not have, when we talk about, they're the other team that doesn't really have a starting pitcher who you say, here you go, go win us a game. They have these, they have this three headed monster of guys who have started in Cuba who are relievers in Japan, but who really you want to do like two to three inning stints with each of them, they were able to use basically all of them in their win in the quarterfinal. But because of the time break, you know, the time that they will have before their next game, they should be able to basically throw Johnny Holstaff at the semifinal game as well. But Cuba and Japan also are going to be facing a pretty dramatic uh jet lag. I mean, I, I you can try to could, you know, c- control for it as much as you can, but they're not going to have been in the U S for very long before they played these games.
1: They're not. And, and it's interesting too, because you think about Cuba and that game against Australia, it wasn't just the three headed monster in Japan. They threw Yaro Rodriguez, Levon Moynello, Rito Martinez. They also threw Miguel Romero and Ruan Selyas who are mm-hmm. their two other best pitchers. And mm-hmm. Cuba absolutely did the right thing. They threw their five best guys to get them here. You know, that was on March 15th. By the time they play, it'll be March 19th. In theory, you can throw all five of those guys again in the semifinal. And if you do, you you actually feel okay <laughs> about Cuba's chances. Um, but you're right. I mean, there's always a little bit of a jet lag factor here. And, you know, with Japan, you don't worry so much about the step up in competition because they steamrolled everyone they played. Um, I said it on our preview podcast before. I, I really think it needs to be appreciated. It's not hyperbole. It's not... Me saying something crazy. This is talking to evaluators. This is years of experience watching this. This is a World Series caliber rotation. This is three number ones and a number two, and this this team would fare pretty well in a 162 game major league season. You're not so worried about them on the step up in competition, Cuba. You are just because again the teams they beat: Panama, Taiwan, Australia. You know they lost to the Netherlands and Italy. It, it's a big step up, and that's where
0: with them you have some hesitation. Japan, you don't. I'll I, I go a step further. If Again, it's it should be. It's the MVP, all, MVP all-star team with some big leaguers thrown in. But if you took that team and you just brought it over and plopped it into the AL East, I like their chances to... I, I, if you told me that that team won the World Series, I'd be like, yeah, if you have a rotation... Okay, for one, you literally have the best player in the game in Shoei Otani, it's a good place to start. You have another middle of the order bat in Munitaka Mar- Marikami, you know, who's okay, not going to have the same power in the U.S., but legit bat. You have good defense. You have, but you said this isn't just a great rotation by ML. This is, it should be, it's an all star team, but this is a great rotation by any standard you ever want to throw at baseball, you could compare this rotation and say, do you like it better than the nineties Braves? Do you like it better than the early seventies Orioles? Do you like it? Roki Sasaki, who I know that if you're listening to this, you probably do know about, but is going to be a revelation to those fans who didn't pay attention to anything that's going on, you know, over in Asia. He sat at a hundred in his last game and his fastball may not be his best pitch. That's like everything we talk about with Shohei Ohtani as a pitcher. Now Suzaki's twenty-one. You know he's he's younger. He's not as experienced, but he is he's a guy who can simply dominate great hitters because the stuff is that good. This is this is a team that was able to, as you noted, throw Shohei Otani and Yu Darvish kind of almost overkill in that game but they needed to because that's when those guys were on schedule to pitch when you have the long layoff and the other part of it is oh that's okay we've got Suzaki Yamamoto still to pitch and by the way I as I talked about in our preview podcast I think those are the guys you want to have go because none of these hitters who play in the U.S. in the Major League Baseball have ever seen these guys. And it's going well, to be a shocking development to see these guys for the first time.
1: Yeah. Also, again, so I mean, they they started Otani in that quarterfinal game. He pitched well. I mean, they also threw uh, Showtoh Imanaga, who's a really <laughs> good lefty, gave him an inning, and then Darvish came in for two, and Taisei who by the way throws ninety eight sidearm with ridiculous movement, and would be a, a really good reliever and possibly closer in MLB. No, this is like, a great staff, and again, this is where the time change uh, and the days, you know traveled um, and the extra rest they get because of it, you know, can be in Japan's favor. We talk about, okay, they threw Otani and Darvish for a lot of teams. You know, the fact Mexico's throwing Urias in the quarterfinals, he, he's done for the tournament. You know, the fact that, you know, again, Puerto Rico's throwing Marcus Stroman in the quarterfinals, he's done for the tournament. You're not going to see these guys again. Japan played its quarterfinal game against Italy on March 16th. The finals on March 21st, it will be, you know, full rest. If they wanted to throw Otani and Darvish Again, they could. They would be on full rest. So they have so many options. They have so many ways they could beat you. Um, again, I, I, I probably won't take the step of saying this rotation is equivalent to, to having three Hall of Famers on it, like uh, the mid-90s Braves or the you know 60s Dodgers. But the point is, if you threw this this pitching staff one through four in the major leagues today, Again, it is a World Series caliber rotation. If you saw that rotation, say, so yeah, I mean, again, whether it's the, the 2011 Phillies we want to talk about with Hamels and Halliday and Lee and, and Oswald, yeah, this one compares really favorably to that, which is saying That like a great staff. Um, that's the level we're talking about here. And, again, it's not hyperbole. It's not exaggeration. It's not falling for the newest, shiniest thing. This is the talent level these guys have. And that's going to be tough for anybody to beat. Um, I know I'm really looking forward to seeing Japan. They're coming stateside. Whoever they end up playing um, in the semis and the finals is going to be great. Again, they're going to play the winner of Mexico-Puerto Rico. They're certainly going to be favored in either of those games. And then whoever they face the finals, again, Venezuela is the one team where you say, okay, maybe instead of feeling like 99% Japan's going to win, maybe it's 80%. But they're really, really, really good.
0: I, I, yeah, I would say that like right now, if I, if I was trying to break out my odds, it would be, you know, 45% Japan wins this tournament, which is saying something considering there are still at this moment, six teams uh, remaining. remaining. So that's saying that you're splitting the other six among the other 55% in not a best of 160, you know, not a 162, 162 game season, or even a best of seven series. The thing that does stand out with this is to think back even to like to, for example, to that Columbia Team USA game. There was a couple of, there was at least one situation early in that game where Columbia was was challenging, you know, was threatening. And there's a liner in the gap. I think Mabris Valora, if I remember correctly, catch is made, nice catch, inning over. There are situations where, to take that the flip side of that, Julio Rodriguez turns a ball into a little league home run. Like the thing about a one game do or die. Someone goes home is there could be that one weird play that happens in the game. that all of a sudden everything changes. And we're going to have a lot of that possibility of variance in this.
1: Well, that's where the other part of team USA that has been so disappointing has been their defense. Um, don't, pay attention to the fact they had zero errors. The official scoring in Arizona was unbelievably atrocious. I mean, it was unbelievable some of the hits the official scorer was awarding at Chase Field. Um, Team USA in, uh, I believe it was their game against Mexico, it was. sorry, it's been a little bit of a blur, a lot, lot of long nights and travel and not getting full rest of sleep, um, had four balls that they probably should have turned into outs and didn't. And it came back to bite them on a couple of occasions. Yeah, it was the Mexico game. Against Columbia, you know, the shallow fly ball to center, you know, over Tim Anderson's head. That that's a tough play. But I think even he would tell you that that's a play, you know, he should make. As a major leaguer, that's a play, you know, you expect to make. And then the two balls to Trey Turner were not hits. They were not close to hits. They were clear errors, obvious errors. And, again, that's where I go back to what has been sort of disappointing about TBSA is it's not just like sleepwalking at the plate. Their defense has not been sharp at all. Um, you know, Mike Trout, in some ways, is actually their best defender. He's made a, some really nice catches in center field, and it's funny because people talk about Trout and his defense being a liability, and it's not. But, I mean, TBSA's infield defense, they have not been very good. They have not been making plays. Tim Anderson's made some nice plays. Nolan has made some nice plays. Don't get me wrong, but – on the whole, there have been way too many balls dropping, and that's another aspect of this where that's going to have to sharpen up. Because again, if you give free base runners to Venezuela, a play that should be made, but is not Again, it's going to steamroll on you. It's it's going to snowball on you really, really quickly.
0: That, that that's the other guy I would bring out. Like the to me, if you said who have I been impressed with on Team USA, Tim Anderson's going to be very high on that list because Tim Anderson has played. Has had good at bats and has played with energy and has showed versatility. Like, hey, you need me to play second? Okay, I'll play. He he's done a little bit of everything on a team that needs guys who are providing a little bit more energy than what we've seen so far.
1: Yeah, it, it's been very fun, to me, right? So he's had this really good series of a couple people of about know, play this narrative of like, oh man, Tim Anderson showing the world how good he is. Tim Anderson's a great player. Tim <laughs> Anderson's been a really, I mean. Tim Anderson, the last four years has hit over 300. He's been one of the best hitters in major league baseball for four years now. He's a batting champion. He's a two-time all-star. Like it's not a surprise. It's not news that Tim Anderson is a great player. It's been kind of odd to me. I mean, again, yes, on a team with Betts and Trout and Goldschmidt, you know, three MVPs, of course those guys are going to get top billing, but that doesn't mean anyone thought Tim Anderson was a surprise to be a effective player like tim anderson is a great player and has been a great player for the better part of of four years now so i I think it's been a little funny to me the way um people have have framed that because it's not news that he's a great player but seeing him him move over to second has been nice again he's come some big heads he he didn't do much in the finale but again on the whole he's been very good this tournament And, and yeah again he's one of the guys in this lineup that that you certainly look at and say, yeah, he's dangerous and, and can play a big role for him.
0: That's the thing I would say is, is that it's not surprising that he's a great player, but he's been one of the players. Like Pete Alonso is a great player. Pete Alonso so far has not had a moment in this in this tournament that you go, well, that was a great moment by Pete Alonso. Kyle Schwarber has had right. Like you have, there's no one in this lineup for Team USA <laughs> who's not a great player but not all of them are playing great at this moment. And that's where Tim Anderson has been one of the guys who, and obviously you said Mike Trout there. Mike Trout has been uh, everything that you could hope for, for Mike Trout, which is one of the best players in baseball. It just happens to be like, you, you say this, like, then you look at Japan and it's like the same way that Shoei Otani has been. I, I can't imagine that Shoei Otani could have had a better return to Japan than have them go five and zero have him perform at a top level for throughout that you know pool play and the quarterfinal it was a perfect hey guys i'm back <laughs> great to see everybody again yep i'm doing fine good to see you all are too glad to help samurai japan return to its and we should note this is a good way to kind of you know point out to kind of as we start wrapping this up japan in the semifinals only team to be in the semifinals in every single World Baseball Classic, the way that Japan treats this tournament, I'll put it this way. There are no debates in Japan going on right now where you had roughly half of all TVs tuned to World Baseball Classic games when Japan was playing. There are no debates about whether the World Baseball Classic is an event worthy of letting their players play, which is also the perfect way to wrap this up, which is obviously we have the Edwin Diaz news. Edwin Diaz didn't get hurt playing in the game, closed out the, uh, the, the, the do or die game for Puerto Rico, but then tears his Patel attended in the post game celebration and is out for at least most of the season, if not the entire season, Kyle, like, you know what? I mean, That's led to, and especially in New York, a lot of why do they have this event? You love this event, like I, you've been to this event multiple times. What are your thoughts of? Can we keep? Can we risk players getting injured in celebrations by having this event?
1: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, obviously, seeing that was just uh, you're you're you feel for Edwin Diaz, um, you feel for for his family, you feel for the New York Mets. I mean, I, I just. A freak thing that just, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's awful. And, and, you know, your stomach just sinks and, and it's, it's, you never, ever, ever want to see anyone get hurt, especially in a freak injury kind of way, especially in a moment of so much joy that just, you know, turns, turns South very quickly. I think it's, it's obviously a, a freak thing. It's, it's something that, you know, no one could foresee or anticipate. And I I don't know, I I have found it um, kind of lacking in taste. And and frankly, just people who already don't like the WBC trying to use this as a way to, you know, push their own feelings of get rid of the WBC. It's just kind of, you know, trying to uh, take advantage of I wanna call it a tragedy. A tragedy is 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 something much worse than this. But taking advantage of of a sad moment and trying to uh, turn it into an advantage to to push their own agendas that i um, I think it's it's unfortunate that people are trying to do that. Look, this is a tremendous event that does matter to tens of millions of people around the world all you have to do is look at the ticket sales all you have to do is look at the television ratings and most importantly it matters to the players listen to the people on the field every single coach manager player on puerto rico on on venezuela every single team in the immediate aftermath of edwin diaz's injury talked about yeah this is worth it to us the rewards are worth the risks, and and Mookie Betts and Mike Trout were extremely clear about that. It's not just the Latin American players who feel that way. Um, you know, I wrote about that after after you know the TBSA Columbia game because they they talked about it, and it was noteworthy how strongly they felt about it. You know, someone sitting in their apartment in their home, three thousand miles away, thinking what they think matters more than the players on the field, than the coaches in the clubhouse. And the millions of people for whom this tournament has become a, a source of national pride i i just i think they need to stop talking so much and, and listen more um this is a, a fantastic event it's not going away it's only getting bigger it has been a huge boon to the game of baseball and for the players on the field it has been one of the most rewarding events of their careers for every country team usa included. So, obviously, what happened to Edwin Diaz was was just awful, and you hate it. But as I wrote in my story, freak injuries happened. Jake Peavy broke his ribs jumping up and down, mm-hmm. celebrating a division title and, and tried to pitch through it in the playoffs. It didn't work, obviously. Kendi Morales snapped his leg, jumping on home plate, celebrating a grand slam. Let's talk spring training injuries. Guys have tripped over sprinklers and, and ripped up their knee. I mean, like Gavin
0: Lux, Gavin Lux was lost to a significant knee injury running from second to third in a game that truly did not matter. And we don't train for it.
1: Professional sports, anytime you step on a field at any moment, an injury can happen. And especially a freak thing like that. It's not the WBC. It's not, oh, we need to get rid of this event. I think people saying that should do less talking and more listening that yes this does matter and yes it is important and yes it is worth it and and the players themselves the people on the field are who matter most and you should listen to what they have to say about it
0: well the 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 two other things i would just add to that is so just to give an anecdotal example right we are working on a new website and we are working with a uh uh a team, a website development team that has got people all around the world. And there is a Brit who's part of that team. And in our weekly call this week, he brought up, he said, yeah, Great Britain won a baseball game at the World Baseball Classic. Now, he has been clear, this is not a baseball fan. But because Great Britain is in this tournament and because they won a game, that allowed baseball to... rise a little bit further up on the consciousness in Great Britain. That is the thing about the World Baseball Classic, that there is no other substitute for this. The way the Olympics work, the Olympics want big leaguers to come to the Olympics to play baseball, which in season is unlikely to ever happen. But beyond that, they also want the tournament to be reduced in scope and small. So what does that mean? It means six, eight-team tournament which means the teams that already really care about baseball will be there. There is absolutely a part of the World Baseball Classic that the goal is is to have the Czech Republic, is to have Great Britain, is to have China, is to one day, you know, potentially have, you know, more teams from Africa and more teams from Asia, like, you know, in addition to the powers all have a shot of making it to the tournament, which it, it, it's it's a very, you know, if you're looking at it from a standpoint of baseball in the world, I, I think that this tournament is even more important than it is if you talk about baseball in the U S and you see that again, when you talked about it, when you see it from a player standpoint too, there is an opportunity here. If you are Dominican or you are Venezuelan or you are Japanese to play for your country in the biggest tournament in the world, uh, that there is something about that which I, I will promise you, as you said, talk to the players. This is a career highlight for these players. Yeah. This is something where as tragic as the Edwin Diaz moment was, for every player on that team, they will remember that game against the Dominican Republic to a level that is way different than, hey, what was that game, you know, that that July 15th, 20th game that you played against the Tigers? Don't remember. Really don't remember. <laughs> and, and this that's, game, no one's going to forget.
1: That's, and that's the other point I think is important. These are grown men. These are adults. These are professionals mm-hmm. who are the best in the world at what they do. It's their careers. They can make the decisions about what matters to them. And I, I think it's been... Uh, just really poor taste. A lot of the people out there trying to lecture them about, you know, what matters, what doesn't, what they should be prioritizing. What ma- This is their career. It's their memories. It, what matters to them, what they value. The only people who matter in that that decision are, are them. And I think it's important to let them make their decisions and enjoy this fantastic tournament. Um, you know, I, I, I think to to expand on your point about expanding the game beyond the traditional borders, one of the things that doesn't get talked about is teams receive money for how far they advance in the WBC. And I remember Team Israel talking about the money they received advancing to the second round in 2017. That allowed them to build fields back in Israel. That allowed them to, to actually start developing more of a baseball in- infrastructure. The Netherlands making the semifinals two years in a row, or two tournaments in a row, I should say, 2017, 13, 17 that allowed them to build new fields, build some really nice complexes, get more kids in. I mean, and again, people who are, are fans of the New York Mets right now will say, well, I don't care about baseball in the Netherlands. I care about a World Series. And that's that's completely fair. I get that. But at the end of the day, it's these players' careers. It's their their lives. And these are adults and professionals at the peak of their profession. They can make the decision about what matters to them. And people need to respect that. And they have been extremely clear repeatedly over and over and over again, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, American players, Japanese players, everyone that this matters to them. And honestly, at that point, everyone else kind of needs to take a step back and just say, okay, if it matters to them, then it matters.
0: I think that's the perfect way to end it. Well, Kyle, you know, rest up, get ready for. One of the most fun weeks, weekends, and weeks coming up of, of baseball. We have uh it, it's going to be do or die baseball from here on out and can't wait. I will say also am enjoying the fact that I'm not getting up at six in the morning, uh, and then trying to stay up till one. It's nice to get a little sleep too. But get some sleep, get rested up, and we're gonna enjoy uh check it out. You know, where we Kyle will be covering it. Jeff Ponce is gonna be joining him later in the uh you know as you get to the finals and all so check it out all at baseballamerica.com for kyle i'm jj so long everybody